Welcome to another inspirational message from Shoreline City. Good day, church family. Folks in the balcony, can you see me up there? Can you see me up there? Can you see me? All right. How about far in the back? Far in the back. Can you see me a little bit? All right. Well, good to see all of you. I think we got some folks in the lobby as well. We got some people watching online. Let's give all those folks watching online a big old round of applause as well. Love you guys a ton. Uh, our lights were acting a little bit funky on us today. So if it's a little bit different for those of you online, I apologize. You're like, oh my gosh, she's black. <laughs> I've always been black, but the lights are just different today. That's why I look a little Asian. Uh, glad all of you guys are here today. We're going to have a wonderful, wonderful day uh, today. I brought my chair back like I had last week. I had a chair last week trying to keep myself confined so I would not just run all over the place. I'm incredibly excited about the series we've been in called Drive. Uh, before I jump into that, I do want to remind everybody about team night coming up this Thursday night. Sorry for those of you who showed up on Thursday. Uh, our apologies. We got all those weather reports and we just wanted to make sure everyone was safe. So we had to make a, a game time decision to transfer team night from uh, last week uh, till this week. But be here this coming Thursday night, seven o'clock. Those of you who are on a team, if you are serving in any capacity, you've been through Welcome to Shoreline or you're not serving yet. You're thinking, man, it's time for me to take that step. We'd love to see you at team night uh, this upcoming uh, Thursday evening. And then this is a, a, a side note for some of you, but we have a lot of individuals at our church uh, that are so so passionate about taking a, a bigger step forward and helping us make it on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, so those who are in the lobby right now, those watching online, even balcony on the floor, everyone that can hear me, uh, I want you to know I'm, I'm honored that individuals keep putting God first in their money, in their resources. But again, there are some folks that are saying, man, I, I want to go even above and beyond that because we have some things in our heart to do in Kenya, in Dallas, and literally all around the world uh, that we're we're just going to do it uh, when we have the money to be able to do, do those things. And that's why we started Visionaries. These are for the individuals in our church that say, you know what? I want to excel in generosity and I want to accelerate the vision. And today at 1.30... In our uh, old bigs room, so down my left, your right, down that hallway, go down there uh, at 1.30. We'll have some lunch for individuals, a small lunch. And when you get together, I'm going to share with you some things that we have on the horizon as a church where we can help impact and serve and love our community and our world even better. Um, but uh, again, we're going to jump into the series called Drive. Somebody, was anybody here last week? Anybody here? A couple of folks? Okay. All right. So let me give you a quick refresher for those of you who weren't here, uh, we started this series talking about it is direction, not intention, that determines your destination. It's direction, not intention, that determines your destination. That is to say, if you are in Southern California, which it would be nice to be in Southern California right now with this cold weather. So if you're in Southern California and you want to go to Northern California and you get in your car and you begin to drive, the direction of your car is to Mexico. You can have all the desire you want, all the intention that you want to go to Northern California. You're not going to get there because of the direction of your car. So what we were talking about last week is even if you have the right intention, but your direction is pointed the wrong way, you'll end up in a place you do not want to end up. 
Some of us might remember we looked at the scripture from Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 7, verse number 35. It says this, but wisdom is proved right by all her children. That is to say, if you make, when you make a decision, you give birth to something. Every decision gives birth to something. And are your decisions giving birth to the things that you want to give birth to? Or do you keep having ugly babies? <laughs> you know, there are ugly babies, right? You know that, right? I mean, they're all loved by Jesus, but some babies just come out. Our oldest son, when he came out, honey, am I telling the truth? He was ugly. <laughs> he was mine, but he was ugly. Uh, he came out, looked like he was 87 years old, hair all over his forehead. I'm like, oh my goodness, what what happened here? And uh, but man, four months in, boop, model, just t- something turned. We prayed over him. Four months, <laughs> got that spirit of ugly off of him, and man, the Lord did a work in his life. No, he, he's now incredibly handsome. I love him so much. But you, you know, some of our decisions, some of our decisions, we, we make them and, and we're, we're producing things we don't want to produce. Uh, this is the thing we're going to, we're going to focus in on today. Actually, we're going to focus in on desires and decisions, desires and decisions. Uh, I, I wrote this down. I'm going to put it on the screen for you as well. Uh, when your desires and your decisions are at odds, there is usually a lack of peace. When your desires and your decisions are at odds, there is usually a lack of peace because for most of us, many times our desires are not the problem. Now, our desires can be the problem. That's a different talk for a different time, a different conversation. But if you're going to be at church today, if you're going to be willing to get through the traffic, if you're going to wake up this morning and you're going to brush your teeth, prayerfully you did that, you're going to bathe, amen, okay, you're going to put on deodorant, not the natural deodorant, but like real deodorant where no one actually smells you. <laughs> Stop using that whole food stuff. OK, go ahead and grab some speed stick. If, if you're going to go, if you're going to put on deodorant, you're going to get you're going to get dressed, you're going to come to church. You already have a desire that's pointing you the right direction. I, I, I want to commend you on that. I, I think uh, that's admirable. I, I, I think it's healthy. I think it's wonderful. I think it's beautiful. I think it's going to be beneficial for your heart and your soul. I, I'm glad you, you have this desire and you made the decision to be here. Many times we have some desires. We're making decisions that are contrary to what we desire. You can even uh, think about those of us in here who want to live a godly life. We have a desire to. But the decisions we're making are contrary. They're opposed to that desire. If you have the desire to get rid of the alcohol in your life because it's been a curse on your family for years and years and years, but you make the decision to keep being around the same friends and doing the same things that you've been doing for the last 12 years, then you, you'll end up with a lack of peace on the inside of you because your desire and your decisions are at odds with each other. 
if you have the desire to, to have the type of marriage that would bring honor and glory to Christ, but you keep making decisions that are selfish and egotistical and prideful, your desires and your decisions will create conflict on the inside of you. If you have the desire uh, to start a company, but you're, you make the decision to wait until everything is perfect to just the right time, you find yourself being upset with yourself because you're not taking the steps. You're not making the decisions that are in line with your desires. As a side note, there's never a perfect time to start something. <laughs> there's never a perfect every all the stars don't really perfectly align at any point in time. When your desires and decisions are at odds, there is usually a lack of peace. The thing with all of us is our decisions and can, can be consistent with our desires. But look at this verse of scripture in Romans chapter 17. Let me show you this verse of scripture in Romans chapter 17. We're going to read verses 15 through 19. I'm about to give you some hope right here because an individual who wrote so much of the New Testament was right there with you and I. Look what the Apostle Paul tells us. I do not understand what I do. Has anyone ever said that to themselves? <laughs> How did I end up here? That was the dumbest decision I ever made in my entire life. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. I actually do what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature, in my flesh. For I have, look at, the, look at this, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. I'm trying to talk to real people for a second. <laughs> I'm not trying to talk to the plastic you. I'm not trying to talk to the church you. I'm not trying to talk to the fake you. I'm not trying to talk to the you that your grandmother thinks you are. <laughs> I'm trying to talk to the real you. Okay, the real you that's going to school or going to work tomorrow or going to get on Xbox tomorrow. I'm trying to talk to that you. I'm trying to talk to the you that has the desire to do the right thing. But you find yourself. You find yourself doing the very thing that you don't want to do. And the thing that you want to do, you don't do. But the thing you don't want to do, you end up doing. Here is someone in scripture. This guy wrote some two thirds of the New Testament, and this was part of his story. Let me just let you know, you're okay. Because guilt will try to get on you so much that it will cripple you and it will try to make you think you can't come to the family of God. You can't be a part of church. You're a hypocrite. You're fake. And since you're fake, you're actually going to hurt Jesus with you being fake. Just so you know, you can't hurt the cross. 
it's already strong enough. His blood already still works. And God is, his reputation is not utterly and completely on you. I want you to be okay not being okay and allowing the grace of God to make you okay. Because everything in your life right now might not measure up the way you want it to, but his grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect and weakness. And the reason the cross and the empty tomb is there is because you and I were going to fall many times and need some help getting up. The righteous may fall seven times, but he keeps on, keeps on. She keeps on getting back up here. You see in this passage of scripture, our desires can be for one thing. But what we actually do, what we actually decide is contrary. Let me make it real practical for a second. Okay. Real practical. Watch this. Okay. Underneath here, I have a gift for all of you. Yep. Yep. Here it is. Oh, yeah. Bluebell ice cream. Lobby, can you see this out there? Can you see it? Nod your head, Lobby. I can see. Yeah, yeah. This is Bluebell ice cream. Um, how many of us made a New Year's resolution that we were going to get in shape this year? We're going to lose that weight this year. This is I'm getting ready for my wedding. I'm getting ready for it. It's going to be wonderful. I'm getting ready for summer in January. I'm, I'm not waiting for May. I'm getting ready now. <laughs> Some of us are on a fast right now, and you're mad at me for even showing this bluebell ice cream. <laughs> me personally, I'm fasting all things healthy, and I'm just eating as much junk food as I possibly can. All for the glory of the Lord. It's not true. <laughs> I'm so hungry right now. We, uh, <laughs> this. This bluebell ice cream is our desire. And many times it becomes our decision as well. When we know our decision ought to be <laughs> kale. <laughs> desire and decisions. Our, our desire uh, is, is to eat right, but it's just it's so much easier. It's so much faster. I mean, parents, don't you know, it's so much faster. You're on your way home. Kid, oh, I can't. I don't want to cook tonight. Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, Burger King, uh, Pollo Loco, wherever you're going to go. You, you got to go somewhere. Let me just stop real quick and grab something. Desires for the right thing. Our decision ought to be, ought to be one of these nice honey crisp apples. <laughs> Now, I'm getting real, real simple and practical here, of course, but, but let, me, let, me talk about, let me talk about pornography. Let, let me talk about how it's running rampant in our community, and I like to say nobody in church deals with that, but you and I, would both, you and I both know that's not true. You don't have to shake your head. You just look, real, look forward right now. Don't, don't, don't move at all. Be stiff, okay? If you don't blink, nobody knows it's you. <laughs> come to church for this. I didn't come to church for this. <laughs> Your desire is to honor women, to treat them as the daughters of God that they are, made in the image of God, chosen, pure, holy, set apart, 
but our decision can be to keep treating them as if they are a commodity. I'm talking about desires and decisions. You can have the desire, you can have the desire that, man, I, I really, I really want to be a person that lives uh, uh, free from, from guilt and shame, but we keep making decisions that are contrary to the direction we know God is calling us to. And we find ourselves being immersed in that guilt and that condemnation because we keep making the same bonehead choices over and over and over again. You're going to have you're going to have the desire that, man, I really want to live a life uh, that's that's free from unforgiveness. But but you keep making the, the decision to, 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 to try to sabotage all the people that hurt you and try to keep on avoiding them. And you try to keep on saying things about them and to them and behind their back. And every time you speak ill words, you actually chain yourself even more. So you got you got a desire, but you got decisions that are contrary. Uh, This goes far beyond bluebell and kale. This goes to where you and I live. And if we want to be the men and women that God is destined for us to be, we have to understand that everything is not just a feeling. There are some decisions that you and I will have to make. Uh, okay, I got, I got some more verses here. Uh, everybody say desires, say decisions. Uh, uh, go, go with me, go with me for a second uh, to Mark chapter 10. Um, but before you go there, you know what, let, let, me, let me say this, let me say this real quick. Let me say this. I think this is important. When, when our desires are godly and our, and our decisions are wise, Please understand our lives will be, not might be, but they will be fruitful. This is a promise from God. I did not say your life will be perfect. Those are two very different things. Fruitful and perfect are two very different things. But when you and I, when we, when our desires are godly and our decisions are wise, our lives will be fruitful. As, as a quick, let me give a commercial break for a second. Let me give a commercial break for those of us in here who we think when we feel the right thing and then we do the right thing, that means all right things will be happening back to us. It doesn't always work that way. It doesn't always work that when you make the right choices, good comes back at you. This is too real here. The reality is sometimes when you make the right decision, hell comes at you. Problems come your way. Difficulties. You're like, oh, no, Earl, no, 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 this can't be true. This can't be true because I'm going to church. I'm making this good decision so that everything in my life this week will be perfect. And what I'm telling you is if you have that erroneous theology and mindset, you will find yourself being upset at God and disenfranchised with his way and his purpose because you're imposing something on the life of Christianity that is actually not biblical at all. Here's let me tell you the savior we sang about today, Jesus, 
He was God, 100% God, 100% man. He lived a perfect life, did everything right, and they put him on a what? A cross. He did everything right, and they still put him on a cross. Some of us think, well, if they're going to put me on a cross, I might as well just party it up then. (laughs) No, because that's not a fruitful life. That's not a fruitful life. That's a life that's about you. But Jesus' life wasn't even just about him. His life was about fulfilling the plan and purpose that, that God had for his life. And what I'm asking all of us to do is to take a step into maturity, take a step beyond the elementary way we think about Christianity and our faith. And I'm asking us to grow up a little bit here and understand that godliness is good and making wise decisions are good. But sometimes bad will come your way even when you're doing everything right. We just buried someone here a couple of weeks ago, someone who honestly was like a heaven, she was an angel from heaven, Lauren Kuhn uh, was and is her name. So if you have some box where if you do everything right, she's 32 years old and she passed away from cancer, leaving four kids and a wonderful husband, and she was as pure as the driven snow. And if we think, well, if if you're like that, then all good things are going to happen. You will, you'll throw in the towel too easily. I don't know why. I don't know why. But when you begin to follow Christ and you're making the decisions to keep on following him, I don't know why some people get more popularity and other people get more pain. I don't know, but I know Jesus had them both. If you read the Gospels, our Savior had massive popularity and our Savior also had massive pain, but he did not live his life for the popularity or the pain. He was living his life on purpose and on assignment. So it did not matter what the applause were or did not matter what the naysayers were saying because haters do not have the power to circumvent your purpose. If you will stay on the path that God has for you, your life will outlast your haters. Your life will outlast those people who are trying to crucify you. Your life will outlast every individual that's trying to tear you down. You are not here to live your life for the glory of man. You and I are here to live our lives for the glory of God. Can I get an amen on this one right here? I'm trying to talk to us. I'm trying to help us grow. I'm trying to help us mature. I'm trying to help us become who God is calling us to be. I'm trying to help our roots grow deeper. I'm trying to help us become all that God has destined for us to be. Because you know he has a purpose for you. Do you know this? Do you know? You know you're here on assignment. And I don't know. I don't know if it's praise or popularity or pain that is coming your way. But what I do know is if you will keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, your life will outlast you. And people will be, generations later, will be thankful that you stayed the course. And even though no one in this generation praised you, the up in heaven individuals are giving you a standing ovation right now saying you go girl you go man you stay the course you keep on trusting you keep on believing in God 
That's that's our lot. Uh, go with me to Mark, 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 uh, chapter 10, Mark, chapter 10. I'm talking about desires and decisions, desires and decisions, desires and decisions. Mark, chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse number 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. I want you to see this man's desperation. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, Jesus said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. I want, I want to make it clear this young man's desire. I don't know if he started a company and his company took off. I don't know if he went public and all of a sudden his stocks, you know, went from $17 to $1,700 a share. I don't know if he's a trust fund baby. I don't know if he's a vice president or a manager. I don't know how he got his money. But what I do know is he was desperate and had a desire for the path and the way of Christ. And he comes to Jesus saying, Jesus, give me my purpose. Jesus, why am I here? Jesus, I want to make a difference. Jesus, I want my life to count for something. Jesus, I want, I want to leave a mark. Jesus, I don't want to go my own way. Jesus, I want something greater than what I'm living right now. I don't want to just wake up on Monday, go to bed on Monday, wake up on Tuesday, go to bed on Tuesday. I don't just want to exist. I don't want to just take up space. I want more in my life. Does anybody else want some more out of your life than just breathing and taking up space? This man here, he comes and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus. Good teacher, give me some direction for my life. Jesus says, hey, keep these commandments. Jesus, I've been doing it. I've, I've been doing I've been going to church. Jesus, I've been going to church. I, I'm on the parking team. I'm on the parking team. Okay, I'm smiling at people as they come in. Don't you love the parking team here? I'm smiling at people as they come in. Be nice to them too, okay? They're trying. They're just, they're volunteers here trying to figure it out. Okay, they're running all over the place, so don't run them over. I'm on the parking team. I'm, I'm serving. I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I know how to do. And Jesus says, okay, yes, you are, but you lack one thing. And you just sell everything. Give it to the poor. Then I want you to come follow me. And the man, his head drops. He has the desire to follow Jesus. But he makes a decision to follow his money. He's no different than you and I. Now, some of you thinking, well, I'm broke, so this is not for me. (laughs) I have no money. So all of y'all Richie's in here. (laughs) I don't think you get off the hook that easy. I, I, I think you might not be rich financially, 
But what are you rich in? Is it your education? Is it your reputation? Maybe some of you are so rich in your past and Jesus is saying, I need you to make the decision to leave your victim mentality and come and follow me. And you're saying, no, I can't because I'm too comfortable wearing that jacket. What are you rich in? Because Jesus wants to meet you exactly where you are, rich in your relationships and your friendships. And Jesus is saying, I need you to make an adjustment. I need you to make a change there. And you're saying, man, I, I want to go. I want, but I'm making a different decision. See, what we do is we judge ourselves by our desires and not our decisions. We judge other people by their decisions. But ourselves, we grade ourselves on our desires, right? Well, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I, I didn't mean for you to be offended. Since I had the desire to be nice to you, then, then you should be okay with it. But when someone hurts our feelings, when someone disrespects us, we don't care about what their desire was. We just care about their decision. I'm trying to help us here. I'm trying to take us beyond feelings, take us beyond emotion, take us beyond just existing and take us to a place where our roots can be grow, grow deep in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you see how Christ looked at this man? I love you can put the verse on the screen again. The Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Do you, do you know how your savior thinks what he thinks about you? He loves you. And anyone that would tell you different is lying to your face. The cross is an announcement that your savior is for you and loves you. Jesus looks at the man and loves him. He loves him exactly where he is. And he gives the man an opportunity. He gives the man a choice. He opens the door wide for the man to say, yes, come on with me. But when you start following me, understand I cannot have any other gods before me. You got to give it all up. I'm about to give my all for you. I need you to give your all for me. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. But the man is more concerned about his wealth than he is about the love of Jesus Christ. And you and I can live our lives that way as well. But I'm praying that we would become a church that would be willing to bankrupt ourselves and to give ourselves over completely to the love of Jesus Christ. The world will not be changed by you and I living casual, lukewarm, indifferent lives. The world will not be changed by our Sunday attendance. The world is changed when you and I leave this place and we become the hands and the feet of Jesus in every single place we eat and we work and we go to school and every home and apartment that we live in, that we allow his grace and his power to flow through us and to get on everyone that we are around. I'm, I'm thankful that you're here today, but I can't wait for this afternoon because we're sending out an army to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. Oh man, I'm going to sit down. Earl, sit down. Earl, sit down. Sit down, Earl, sit down. Last verse, Philippians chapter 2. This is going to be one of the most important verses that you need to know in scripture. They're all important, but this is one. This is a really, really important one. 
Because in order for you and I to take the step and, and to decide, we, we're going to have to obey the path and the way of Christ. We're going to have to go his direction. When, when, when I'm talking to my kids and my wife and I are talking uh, to our kids and we're saying, hey, hey, go clean your room. And they say they had the desire to clean their room, uh, but they did not make the decision to clean their room. I appreciate their desire to clean your room, but put the Xbox down and go do what I told you to do. But that I, I felt goosebumps when you told me to, to go clean my room. I even I even cried. I began to weep. As soon as you told me to clean my room, I started tearing up. And man, I just felt it. I was like, man, I really feel it. But, but you didn't do it. <laughs> you didn't do it. You didn't do it. Look at this verse. This is an important verse, man. Oh, hold on to this. Therefore, my dear friends, I like even how he's writing. This is the same guy who, who wrote the verse we read about in Romans. Therefore, my dear friends. As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. He says, work out your salvation. Work it out. I need, I'm going to need you to do something. Faith without works is dead. I'm going to need you to do something. I'm going to need you not just to feel it, but at some point in time, I'm going to need you to take a step. I'm going to need you not just to feel you want to be a good husband. I'm going to need you to take the step to wash your wife's feet figuratively and maybe sometimes literally. I'm going to need you, when you're saying you want to be a great employer, I don't need you just to have that desire. I'm going to need you to take the step and maybe give benefits and give some time off and maybe not be such a hard line. You're going to have to be willing to take some steps, make some decisions, work out, work it out, work it out, work it out, work it out. Now, some of us have been raised in churches. Others of you, others of you have no idea what I'm talking about right now because you have this is your first time you've been in church in, you know, 38 years. So we're, we're glad you're here. But, but others of you, uh, you, you were in churches where they talked about works, 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 works. And you're getting tired right now even thinking about it. You're getting afraid like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I don't want to be that kind of church. I don't want to be that kind of because you, your, your works can't save you. But he still says work out your salvation. Hmm. Then he says. This is what's key. You've got to hold on to this. For it is God who works in you to will and to act. So he tells you to work out your salvation, but then says God actually gives you the strength to do the very thing that he's calling you to do. Let me make this clear. My, my son and I, we went uh, over, the, over the Christmas break. My oldest son and I was about to turn 13, went to go work out uh, together. So this was cool. I was going to go to the gym, trying to stay in a little bit of shape, keep up with my hot mama wife. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to the gym. My son says, hey, can I go with you, dad? I'm like, man, this is awesome. Yeah, come on, son. So he's got a thinner frame like I do, but we're there. and I like to do some interval uh, training. And uh, so we're going to kind of go from thing to thing to thing to thing. And I got him laying down on a, on a decline uh, bench. Anybody still with me on this one right here? Some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I got him 
on the decline bench, and, I, and we're going to do some skull crushes. We're going to, you know, put it down to your forehead, and you kind of push it out like this. And I give him uh, this weight, and I said, okay, do it, Parker. And he goes to do it. He goes, oh, uh, Dad, uh, my elbow just popped. <laughs> it's too much weight for him. I said, uh, okay, son, I put my hand on the weight. And I said, now push. And when he pushed, I pulled. And the weight came up easy. I said, do another one. He brought it down, brought it back up, brought it down, brought it back up, brought it down, brought it back up. Now, it was the same weight, but now I was actually involved in the process. I was asking him to move, but I was right there with him, moving with him. So now he was able to do something that he never would have been able to do in his own strength. But since his father was there with him, his father gave him the power to do the very thing that he was being asked to do. If you don't feel like you can carry the weight, then welcome to Christianity. Welcome to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Because if you could do it on your own, the cross is irrelevant. What you and I have been called to is greater than our own strength and power. So we need a father that would spot us. And grace is him being there over our chest saying, I won't allow this to crush you, but I need you to move your arms up and down. I need you to breathe. I need you to be here at the gym. And I'll work with you day in and day out and you'll lift more weight than you ever thought possible not because you're so strong but because I'm so strong and I'm right there with you Work out your salvation. 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 For it is God who works in you. 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 So if you're thinking, I cannot get over this struggle, you need to understand you need to work out your salvation. But it is God who works in you to get over the pornography. It is God who works in you to get over the selfishness. It is God who works in you to get over the pride. It is God who works in you to get rid of of the alcoholism. It is God who works in you to break those chains. I'm all done here. This is my last comment. Okay, I'm all finished. This time of prayer and fasting, I have some really one really specific thing I'm asking God to do in my life. I'm I'm praying one very specific thing. It's a struggle that I I have carried and dealt with for, man, as long as I've known myself. It feels like ever since I even began to come into my own that, that this has just been a battle and a struggle. I don't know exactly why got some hunches, but I'm praying through things. That, that struggle for me uh, is, 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 uh, is false humility. Really, it's pride. But, but it's false humility. And the way I, I can see myself a lot of times and the way I'll choose to interact with the world, and this has, this has hindered me and held me captive. In moments when I'm supposed to take a step forward, I haven't because of this. Now that I'm in my 40s, I'm just like, man, God, i got to get over this thing. days, I'm just asking God just to, just to free me, just free me, free me, free me, free me, free me. Uh, earlier this week, I was, uh, I woke up, went to go spend some time in prayer, 
Before you think I'm too holy, it was one of those times in prayer where I was praying in bed. <laughs> when you're supposed to get up, but you don't, because the Lord can hear you laying down too. <laughs> pillows just right. You know, you know when you're in that spot in the bed, it's like, oh my God, I just feel warmth everywhere. The bed's hugging me. So, Lord, we got this right now. And I'm praying. And I felt God say to me, Earl, uh, I will break the chains. I will break the chains. You decide if you'll pick them back up. break the chains. You decide if you'll pick them back up. What chain do you need him to break in your life? He'll do it. He's got the power to. We believe fully in the power of the Holy Spirit to, to take chains off of our lives. But you decide, church family, if you'll pick them back up. I'm just trying to live a life where the things God takes off of me, I allow his grace to keep off of me. And the things that the grace of God wants to put on me, I allow his grace to stay on me. So I'll be the man that he called me to be. If you wouldn't mind, church family, everyone in here in the lobby, bow your heads just for a moment. Bow your heads just for a moment. If you're here and you've never given your heart and your life to Christ, you've never made him number one, but you're here today and you know it's time for you to say yes to Jesus. It's time for you to get on the path of the journey of following him. It's time for you to say yes to going the way of Christ. I'm not asking where you baptize. I'm not asking if you have a Bible. I'm asking, are you ready to turn your car a different direction? The Bible calls it repent. Are you ready to turn from one way and go another way, to go from your way to his way? If you are here under the sound of my voice, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ, or at one point in time you did, and you slipped away. And if you're in the balcony or on the floor or in the lobby or wherever you are right now watching online and you're saying, I am ready right now to respond to the grace of God and to go all in with Jesus. I want to give him my whole heart, my whole life. I want to be on the path of following Jesus. If that is you here, I'm going to ask you to do something simple, but something incredibly bold. Literally on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand in the air and say, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. Ready? One, two, three. Shoot your hand up in the air. You're saying, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Christ. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. You're saying, yes, Jesus, I'm not playing games with you. I want to go your way. I want to go your way. I want to go your way. I don't want to go my way anymore. I want to go your way. I don't want my path. I want your path. Every single person, you have your hand up. Who else wants to get in on this prayer? This is your moment for a brand new start, a fresh beginning. Thank you. Yeah, you can raise it up. You're saying, yeah, this is me. This is me. This is me. I know he's drawing my heart right now. I know he's drawing my heart. I'm going to ask every person in this place to do me a favor. Every person, do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart right now. Every person, put your hand over your heart. And repeat this prayer out loud after me. These are your vows to Jesus, if you will. The cross is his vow to you. And now these are our vows to him. Say this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit 
I've made mistakes, and today I give you my heart, I give you my life, give me the power to live for you, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's lift our heads up and clap our hands with enthusiasm for every friend and family member of ours. been inspired to make it on earth as it is in heaven. For more information, please visit our website, 